0: And welcome to Faithfully Memphis on the 6th day of October. Faithfully Memphis is a weekly show by the Episcopal Diocese of West Tennessee. I am Dr. Jesse Abel, a priest of the diocese and one of the clergy staff members at Grace St Luke's Church in Midtown Memphis. This week, our show continues our program series, Behold It Unveiled, where we're having ongoing conversations about spirituality and creativity and where the two meet. Uh, But first, it's our custom to look at the church's calendar and to talk about the saint of the day. On the 6th of October, the church remembers William Tyndale who uh, lived in the 1500s and his claim to fame is that he did the first ever English translation of the Bible working from the original Greek and Hebrew manuscripts. Um, Martin Luther had started sort of the the translation into the vernacular with German in 1522, but Tyndall did a complete English Bible um, not long after. And in fact, William Tyndall is the one who came up with the word jehovah as a way of translating and articulating what is the unpronounceable name of god in the original hebrew and that title jehovah has stuck with us ever since Uh, tyndall did um, was active as a member of the church of england uh, after the english reformation Um, but things for him took a turn when he had trouble condoning the king's divorce to um, Catherine of Aragon. Um, Ultimately, he was accused and convicted of heresy and was sentenced to die by execution. And um, the the articles say that he was strangled to death while tied at a stake, and then they burned his dead body, Uh, I guess just to make sure he was really and truly dead. Um, But his final words uh, were said to be at the stake with a fervent veal and in a loud voice, Lord, open the eyes of the King of England. Um, That date of his execution um, was October 6th, and that's, uh, we think, although it may have been a little bit earlier, and that's why the church remembers him on this day. Welcome to Faithfully Memphis. I am the Reverend Dr. Jesse Abel, and I'm joined today by Daryl Willis from Chinesha's Closet, talking about the way spirituality and art and expression all interface. Welcome, Daryl. It's a pleasure to have you
1: Thank today. You. Thank you. for having me. I appreciate it. So
0: I've heard lots about your shop from my good friend, Emily Austin. But would you tell people a little about what Chinesha's Closet is? Well, and-
1: so- yeah, Chanisha's Closet is it's a small business that I started going on in like five years now, but I have always been a creative person, and while working for the airlines, I wasn't really able to utilize that creativity, and so when I was in Memphis, I decided to start making candles, and the candles started from an Amazon kit, and with that, it went well because I gave them to the people, and they were like, you we should try to sell these, and so I did, and then I did some small shows, and then I just got on Etsy and Etsy is like a shop for like I guess handmade items and handcrafted items and I just have been there ever since so my products are pretty much all natural um from candles to like room sprays body butters bath and beauty type products but an all natural scent but also try to make it extra fragrant so that's what I'm known for is most of my things are very extra fragrant and not not ruining the product by adding unnecessary things to like filter the product. It's all natural.
0: One of the things when Emily was first introducing me to you and to your, your store and your background, she was saying that for her, it's more than just a product. It's like a whole experience because you really take into account the whole sensory experience. I sort of hear you saying that now, like with the fragrances.
1: Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah I, I, uh... I've always been attracted to fragrances and aromas where there's cologne or, you know, candles or sprays. But I just I've always had that in my house as somewhere around me. And a lot of people know that about me, like they know when they leave my house there, they'll tell me, oh, we still smell like your house. And like, <laughs> I, I love that because, I mean, it's they're happy, you know, because that fragrances and the senses can, you know, Really, determine a lot of your ups and downs. Like some, some a fragrance can make you happy. Like you said, nostalgic. It just there's a lot that goes in. You know, when you create something that smells, you want it to mm-hmm. be a memorable thing.
0: This this whole idea that what we take in through our senses can get into our minds, our being, mm-hmm. and affect the way we we experience the world on a given in a given moment in a given
1: yeah. day. Well, when I lived in Memphis, I also worked at Amerigo Italian restaurant oh, okay. and there was a female that I worked with who she had bought some of my stuff when I was working there, and she basically asked me would i would I be interested <clears throat> be interested in like selling my stuff and I'm like I, n- I never thought of it to that degree, but I just enjoyed the creativity part of it because I was able to like now do what I want to do and make the sense that I want, and hopefully. Others would, you know, gravitate to the sense as well. And once I did candles and I got such positive feedback, I opened an Etsy shop and I decided I'm going to see what happens. And I went on faith because I don't have a degree in business and everything I learned pretty much was through YouTube, which was a great mm-hmm. tutorial. And I just trial trial and error. And I finally got The positive side of the trial and error and I just stuck with that and here I am five years later and now my shop has grown a lot more Mm -hmm. on Etsy I'm a star seller and it just I don't know I'm I'm an ambitious person so like I always try to like challenge myself especially like when she ordered when Emily ordered that custom candle I was like yeah I want to do it because I love to challenge myself
0: well if I could ask you about it because I'm so fascinated I am not Creative in that sort of way, like either putting together an image with paints or whatever, or putting together a scent. Like, if somebody comes to you with this out of the box idea, I mean, it's one thing to say, Oh, I want a candle that smells like orange. But if somebody said, You know, like, I want it, I want a fall fragrance, how do you break that down into the way it would translate into a scent?
1: Well, with fall, I think of like, you know, woodsy, I also think of like mm-hmm. apples, I think of pumpkin, cinnamon, nutmeg, just anything of that nature, comfort, like
2: mm-hmm.
1: type scents. And I just kind of go with, it. and I also ask them like, you know, with previous candles that you purchased or items that you purchased with scents, like what did you gravitate to? What did it smell like? What did you like about it? And I try to like go off of that and- I think my nose has kind of gotten better over the years to like, okay, I can, I can do that and I'll try this and that. A lot of people that have come to me, they trust me. They, they, they trust my decisions and it ends up working out. But I mean, when it comes to fall, like, like I said, it's one of my favorite times of the year. So like mm-hmm. in my house, I enjoy burning like, you know, cinnamon and pumpkin. A lot of people don't like. Mm-hmm cinnamon or pumpkin but i also like do like you know woodsy as well so i, I just like my house to have a vibe to it mm-hmm. and, and that vibe comes from scents and the scents i pretty much make whether it's a room spray or a candle or even bath soap or you know it's just mm-hmm. your fragrance going to be throughout the house
0: and i remember our friend was saying like how how for someone in her family like the smelling one of your candles and those different notes of of scent that are in there brought up all of these memories of like past the year before and all of that. And even now, as you describe those different aspects of fall, the woodsiness, the apples, the cinnamon, Mm -hmm. you're sort of like creating this like sensory memory. I mean, I can almost like imagine what that scent would be like. It's very evocative.
1: I try to think of how I make candles almost like cooking (laughs) and, My mother is an amazing cook, but just how she would make like a peach cobbler and just the different elements that were used, ingredients, and those same ingredients, I'll try to mimic a peach cobbler candle just based on what she used and just what smelled good to me growing up. And so, yeah, I guess there is some nostalgia to that, you know, because it does bring back certain candles that I do make, bring back the things that I smelled growing up at home
0: oh wow what's what is the like the most creative request you've ever gotten?
1: The most creative request I received was so my background is in music musical theater. I went to school for musical okay. theater, and I have a lot of friends that are in New York so I used to live in New York and I okay. have friends that are still in New York and still in the industry of like theater and so a friend of mine passed my information to another friend that was in the Tina Turner musical that had opened up and he wanted to give cast gifts to, you know, each crew member, each cast member as well as like the tech. And he Mm -hmm. asked me, could I come up with three different types of scents to go along with three song titles in the show? And he gave me free range to to do that. And I also had to kind of like create the label as well. And that was, that was very interesting because it was kind of a big order and I wasn't uh-huh. sure and I, I do everything by myself. Like I don't okay. have help to like do anything, not that I couldn't have help, but it's just I'm so like OCD with my business that I want to be perfect. and I want everything to go out right. And I just know that I can do that. So yeah. So when I created that, those three candles for them, it was very nice to know that each cast member well, for one, had my product in their hands, but also like they were happy, like they, they loved the idea. And we worked together, me and him with like the different labels. And and I, I always go back and forth with the customers that I work with. So like, you know, is this what you want? Or, you know, I, and a lot of times they just give me the free range, to just like do what I want to do. Mm-hmm. And I never thought I was really that creative in the idea of like creating like a label because like I said my background's in music. Yeah, like, yeah take my creativity to another level once I started this business because I had to know how to do labels and I had to know how to like do scents and everything else. It's not just so much music anymore or theater.
0: So once you have a request like that, that sort of pushes you to branch out, does that inspire creativity in other ways or does it prompt you to like look at more at design after having worked on a label?
1: It is. It inspires me, yeah, it inspires me to do more creatively because I kind of, I try not to put limits on myself, but sometimes, you know, like uh, somebody will ask me if I can do it. And I'm, I'm afraid if I, I can't, if I don't do it well, then it'll be received the way that I don't want it to be received. So I do my research and I, I'll, I'll get more involved like with the process as far as like what I didn't think that I knew. I, I, I re- I learn it and mm-hmm. i'll watch youtube i'll i'll do anything i'll get online anything that'll help me i've had people ask me to create like a unity candle set i've never done that before and
0: okay like for a wedding
1: for a wedding yes and they I made mean, they, they they said we they were their customers of mine but they were getting married and they really wanted me to do that and i've never made a taper candle which is the long candle that goes okay i learned how to make taper candles and like Because I watch YouTube and I did like the research, but I wanted to be right. You know, I wanted to be Mm -hmm. like perfect and they, they received it well as they loved it as
2: well. So,
0: well, again, uh, I sort of hear you describing the experiential side. Like, I know for some artists, it's sort of like, you know, this piece is just what it is, you know, regardless of how people interpret it. But for you, there is also this really keen interest in how the person who who has your product or buys one of your candles, what their experience is like. That's part of, of what you're trying to create.
1: Yeah. I want them to have an experience, you know, and like you said, you know, some products are just what they are. Like with my mm-hmm. candle, I, I do have this regular scented candles and that's pretty much what you're going to get with that, the, the standard label. But mm-hmm. I did create a candle called sacred energy and That candle I created like after I was kind of I was kind of declared cancer free, and I wanted I used like sage sticks and I smudge around the house and Mm -hmm. I didn't want the smoke, so I wanted to find ingredients and elements of this candle that would provide what the smudging process does, Mm -hmm. and I it's a beautiful candle. I mean, there's lavender, rose there is dried sage, and then I top it off with crystals. And these crystals also have meaning to promote positive energy. And if people that are understanding of crystals, they would understand this candle. And when I sold it and started getting feedback from what they thought of it, it was exactly what I wanted them to achieve. I wanted to experience that. And it made me happy that Mm -hmm. what I thought was personal I now shared with others and they too took that in and, and understood the experience that i was trying to give out wow
0: so you mentioned smudging so for some of our viewers or some of our listeners who aren't familiar with that term
1: yeah
2: um, you, smudging, do you want to describe it more yeah
1: yeah so smudging like a lot of people use palo santo which is like a, a wood It's like a, a spiritual wood Mm -hmm. white sage and basically it's like a bundle of sage that you burn and you kind of like just walk through your house with the smoke you know and you you, you say whatever prayer or whatever you're asking of the energy around you to promote you and kind of like do it in every crevice of the house and at that end of it you open your door and you just release all that outside and you just so it's supposed to go away. I mean, like I said, people, you have to kind of understand spirituality and like the connection mm-hmm. to things that there are higher power things, you know, and I feel like sometimes if, if you talk to certain people, they wouldn't understand that. But I definitely think that's where my spirituality has helped me to understand mm-hmm. how these things work, because the energy that I wanted to receive is exactly what I had been receiving once I started that smudging process. And then with the candle I, I made, it's the same thing. Like I I gravitate to that candle and, and I have one burning at any given time, you know, that I'm feeling a certain wow. way.
0: So it sounds like like that really is a product that has become a mainstay in your life.
1: Yeah, it has. And I mean, it was all based on my cancer. I mean, like, I just, once I was declared like cancer-free, I just felt like the energy in my house, I needed to shift it because I was in there, mm-hmm. you know, I received treatment, I was on chemo and radiation and I once I was done with all of that, I still felt this, I don't know, lingering, lingering mood in my house and I wanted to find a way to, you know, get rid of it, but also not in the standard smudging process, but mm-hmm. like use my creativity and create something beautiful, which this candle, it really is. I mean, it, it turns out it's a beautiful candle.
0: Would you mind telling us a little more about your, your journey, you know, with this big diagnosis like cancer, sure. I and mean, for some people that's devastating, sounds like you worked through it and you came out with this so, sense of creativity and spirituality. And
2: Yeah. Uh, so that.
1: I, I was diagnosed in 2018 about October and, you know, I thought I was very healthy and it's, I had stage two colorectal cancer and it's a cancer that the symptoms are there, but unless you really, really pay attention to them, it's something that you kind of just kind of like overlook. And that's exactly what I did until I was forced in the hospital and then they ran blood work and they found the tumor. And I come from a very strong family and like my grandmother, who will be 90 in December, she was diagnosed with breast cancer a year before I was diagnosed with this and she had, I mean, 86 years old and she was so strong. And I just saw that it's when that, when they told me, I kind of felt like if my grandmother could do it, then I can do it. And I just said, well, what's the next step? Like immediately I didn't cry. I didn't, I mean, the diagnosis, you know, is it was hard to hear, but I was all about what's the next step. And with that, I just took that next step and. I was still doing Chanisha's closet. And I mm-hmm. asked my doctor, I'm like, can I still run my business if I do this treatment? He was like, yeah, you sure can. And that's exactly what I did. I was making candles. I was taking, you know, orders to FedEx. And I had my chemo pouch. And I cause I, took, I had take-home chemo. So I was okay, 24 okay. hours a day, wow. five days a week. And I just, I didn't let what I was going through, like, Hover over me because I knew I was going through it. And mm-hmm. I also didn't really want sadness around me. I wanted people that were, you know, I, if they were like crying, I'm like, I appreciated the prayers. I definitely appreciate the prayers and the support, but I still only wanted like positivity. So I kind of had to like distance myself and just stay in my zone to get through it because it was an aggressive treatment. It was six weeks of that, like every day for mm-hmm. like six weeks. And I my nurses, my doctors, they all were like, How are you so positive through all this? And it actually also kind of like brought me closer to my relationship with my faith. Okay. Uh, I think I took a lot for granted before I was diagnosed. And when you're forced to like look at your life like that, I guess it just showed me I can be strong and I and I have to be strong. Like I am going to do this. And I'm not saying that everyone else is not as strong and the outcome doesn't happen the way it happened for me. But I just knew where my journey was taking me. And I knew that it wasn't supposed to be finished. And so whatever I had to do to get through that time, I did. And I was just tried to stay in a good headspace.
0: And it sounds like that your creative work helped carry you through that.
1: Oh, it, it totally did. It, it, it really, and, it, and I was diagnosed right around like the holiday season. So like, you know, October was leading into like fall, Thanksgiving, and then Christmas. So fall is my favorite time of the year anyway. So it kind of like, I mean, kept me in that headspace of positivity because I just love fall. And I'm, my birthday is in November. Okay. So I, I just had that to look forward to and had Thanksgiving to look forward to. So I had things to look forward to, to be stuck in what I was going
0: and you're cancer-free now.
1: Yes, I am cancer-free. I'm, I'm in remission going on four years now. and That's wonderful. Yeah, four years. Wow. <laughs> yeah, going on four years. And my doctor just recently, because I was keeping my doctors in Memphis, and he just basically told me that he no longer needed to see me, you know, if something were to arise. But the first five years are crucial. But he told me he no longer needed to see me because my numbers – and everything had been on the up and up and stayed on the up and up and I think also being a flight attendant um I was really itching to get back to work as far as being in the environment of like germs and things because you know you're you're quarantined from all of that when you're in you know going through treatment. but I felt like in order to build my immune system up again it I needed to get back to that environment and so once I did, it was either I'm gonna get really sick or I'm going to be okay. And it ended up being the latter. I was okay. And my doctor said, you seem to be doing very well. And like I said, we still stay in touch. But as far as like the visits, he doesn't need to see me anymore. And the CT scans that I was having regularly, I don't have to have those anymore either. And my GI said, I'm good. So I'm just really blessed. And I I can't, my faith is what really got me through all of that. And it brought me closer to my, my higher power.
0: Oh, well, so tell me a little more about that. Like, have you always, has faith and spirituality always been important to you or?
1: It had, it it was, it was. My mother, we grew up in the church, me and my sister, and I guess it was a certain point where she kind of like let us decide where we wanted to go. And I always prayed and I always had like a spiritual connection with things around me, like things that were happening to me. I knew that it wasn't all my doing and I just Felt like I was losing a little bit of that. And when I said, like I was telling you earlier, I, I took advantage of things and like never took my life for granted. Like I just never paused and like appreciated certain things. And you're forced to appreciate those things when you're going through a situation or an obstacle that mm-hmm. could be a roadblock. Sure. And I found a lot out about myself being by myself, going through that treatment, and I guess seeing how strong I could be, because I could have just like, you know, taken the news and given up, you know, but I just knew that I couldn't do that. I I wasn't ready to, and I felt like I believed, I believed that I was going to see the other side, and I just stayed with that, and I prayed daily, and like I said, I pray a lot more now, and it's because I know I went through that. And that journey, I don't regret it. I was supposed to go through that. It was supposed you know, God has a way of entering your life in, in many different ways. And sometimes you you listen and you get it. And other times it's not enough, but that was enough for me to understand that I wasn't being as grateful as I should have been for the existence wow. of that.
0: It's a very timely topic as we enter into... I think about like Thanksgiving and this this whole time of year when traditionally people stop and reflect on what's in their lives and, and give thanks to to God and to the you know the source of all of these good things that fill our lives.
1: Yeah, and I mean, you know, sometimes people will give thanks to God for the good things, you know, and not realize that sometimes the bad things that do happen are necessary as well to teach you, you know that to give to the the other side. I mean, everything can't just be handed to you. And I think that's when the whole, like, taking life for granted with what I was going through. Like, I mean, my business was doing great, but I don't think I was given as much thanks for the success and all the things that were happening. And once I, like I said, I was forced to, like, take a step back. And once I started still receiving the success, but while going through the treatment, it just it just taught me like you have to appreciate everything and be grateful for everything. Cause it can be taken away from you. I mean, like that, without any notice. And I just prayed and believed that it wasn't going to be taken away from me. You know, as long as I had faith and belief in God that he would, get me through that. And he did. He did. And my my, my parents, and it brought us closer, my family closer, because I don't have a huge family. But, you know, my family's in Ohio, and being there in Memphis, you know, it was a eight-hour drive. But when, they, when I was in the hospital, they were there with me to receive that diagnosis. And we all were like, so what's the next step? And they had had my back the entire time.
0: So let me ask you, because you're you're a younger guy, and I think nowadays, like we see fewer, a decreasing number of people in younger generations who maybe have appreciate this spirituality or faith outlook. I didn't know if if your experience has set you apart, maybe from some of your peers in how you view the world, how you view faith. It's so, a spirituality.
1: Yeah, so I do have some friends that they aren't on the same page as where I'm at, you know, but also like, I just made a promise to myself that I would be very transparent about what I went through, because sometimes it takes someone close to you to hear your testimony to like, uh-huh. kind of help them reflect on their life and Sure. I think when I posted everything I was going through on Facebook, um, it actually like helped because people were actually like private messaging me. Like, I guess they were embarrassed; they you know, they wanted to be private still about it, but they wouldn't, you know, comment in that actual post. But they would message me and they'd say, "You know, your strength and your transparency with what you're going through has really helped me." And, and, wow. and I wasn't even. I guess I wasn't doing my transparency for that reason. But later, after everything was over, I wanted to be a part of some kind of like helping way, you know, to, yeah. Yeah. and once I was receiving those messages, I'm like, oh, well, you know, anytime you want to talk, like, please, I'm I'm here to, to tell you my story and tell you how I got through it and actually be an ear for you as well. But like, yeah, so I think it, we took, appreciate it. it took my, t- my transparency to actually, I guess, bring forth people's question of faith and belief in them in their own journey.
2: Yeah, because all of our cool. different.
0: <laughs> that that also took a lot of risk, right? To be that vulnerable, that transparent with the public.
1: It it, it was, it was, and like my parents, my mom was on board. My dad, he's I mean, he's old school, where you don't really air your your business. And but I guess I just knew having that many people rooting for me. Also, mm-hmm. kind of helped me, you know, because I would get daily messages from people that I knew, and I mean, you know, you you have a lot of friends on Facebook, but you really talk to every single one of them. I yeah, mean, yeah, you know. So, but to have messages poured out through like the DM on, or the instant messenger on on Facebook, yeah, it it meant a lot. It meant a lot that, and that meant that people were actually reading what I was saying too. You know, so I mean, I don't. I don't ever post just a post. If I post it, there's something meaningful behind what I'm posting. So the transparency part, I just felt like, yeah, it's scary to put it all out there, but if it could help somebody because I didn't have that. Like when I was diagnosed, I didn't have anybody to talk to or anything. But because of me being transparent, I've had people say, so should I get this, you know, uh, colonoscopy or should I ask this question? And I'm like, you? yeah, definitely. Yeah, of course. Yeah. And I I definitely have been educated through the process. And I'm actually helping another friend of mine who was diagnosed with a similar cancer who also didn't have the resources. And he found me through my testimony I left on colorectal.org. Wow. And he happened to live in Memphis too. So it was like-
2: (laughs) It's a small world.
1: It was a small world. And I I knew what I was saying and doing with the transparency part. I knew there was a reason I was supposed to do it. I was supposed to. And then my sister, you know, whenever you're diagnosed, your sibling is, they have to be checked out or whatnot. And so, you know, colonoscopies for a male, really shouldn't start until 50. And for women, I guess we're on the same age, but my sister had having one as well. And they found a precancerous polyp in her that they removed. But if I didn't have my journey, then she could be the one probably like, you know, saying yeah. what I'm saying right now. So yeah, I think like everything happens for a reason, and I was supposed to go through that. So if anything, I hope I helped the people that were questioning their faith. I hope that I helped them understand that faith is real.
0: Has so you started Chinese's closet before your experience with cancer? Mm-hmm. Are you aware of any change in your? your artistic creative approach or or what you create as a result of that experience? Has it impacted you in any way?
1: I put limits on myself when I first started, like, like I was only doing like, you know, a few products, but I guess it, it pushed me to know if you can get through that and like this and like, it's small things don't really matter. But like, as far as like creating like new things, like I don't limit myself anymore. I just, I just do it. And I feel like if, if it doesn't work, then it didn't work. But before I would just, I'd be more apprehensive within myself and I wouldn't push myself. I would just be like, no, it's not going to work. It's not going to work. And now I don't care if it does or does not work. I'm still going to do it and just to see. And I really believe that what I went through kind of like instilled that in me because like I could have had the attitude of, I'm not going to make it, you know, but I didn't have that attitude. I have the attitude that I, I'm going to do whatever I can to make it. I, I know this treatment is aggressive and it probably won't be fun, but it's only six weeks out of my life. And if I can get to those six weeks, then I can move forward with the rest of my life.
0: Well, I'm glad that you were so vulnerable and transparent with people. It's it's an amazing story. And it's a great store too. People should know that. Yeah. Yeah. Tell us how to find Chinesha's Closet, if people
2: want to check out sure. those products.
1: Yeah, so I have a shop on Etsy. My website is www.chinesha'scloset.com. When people see the title of the name, they're like, how do you say this? <laughs> so it is Chinese's Closet. I, like I said, I sell everything from candles to body butters to bath and beauty type products. I came up with the name. Okay, I was wondering yeah because I, I did theater you okay. know and I actually played this character and her name was China and I, I love candles and one of my friends was like, you should start you should name it China's closet or something and I'm like, no nah, that's too basic. I, I need something with something that make people talk and so that's when I came up with Isha behind it so I'm like my Chineseha Chinese closet and it just stuck. Now I love it because people, they can't pronounce it. They'll ask me and then people start talking about it because it's a name you you just. It's very unique. Yeah. And a a lot of people assume that it is a female owner because, you know, it's Chinese's closet. But my logo, there's a keyhole and an eye peeping out of the keyhole. And with that, looking
0: at it right now,
1: my closet is basically, there's a lot of elements to me. And I'm I'm looking at you, allowing you a little bit to see, but like, there's so much more. That's why my business kind of like grew because it started from candles, but I knew that I had more in me to put out there. And like in your closet, you have many tons of things in your closet and you don't want everybody to see what's inside it. Yeah, I am slowly invited people into my closet, but like Keyhole is supposed to represent my closet of many different assets of
0: who I am. Oh, and we're glad you opened up your closet too, uh, to <laughs> see the creativity that you have to share, and yeah, what an amazing story you have too. Thank you, I appreciate it. Well, thank you so much for being on Faithfully Memphis today and for sharing your story. Thank you for um, inviting me, I appreciate and, uh, it. Thank yeah, and hopefully everyone will go and they'll check out Chinese's closet and discover some great new
1: scents that you have to share. I would love that. I uh, welcome all. Welcome everyone. <laughs> Thank you.
0: Thank you again for listening to Faithfully Memphis, a podcast of the Episcopal Diocese of West Tennessee. Uh, I'm Jesse Abel and appreciate having you join us today. We invite you to share our show with those who may not have heard it but would be interested in these ongoing conversations about creativity and spirituality. And if you like this show, please leave us a positive review on Apple Podcasts. It's a really, really big help to us. You can learn more about the work of the Episcopal Diocese of West Tennessee, including finding a congregation near you on our website, edwtn.org. That's edwtn.org for Episcopal Diocese of West Tennessee. We're also active on Facebook and Instagram. And you can find our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or whatever you use for your podcasting encounters. Take care.